Hey, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major auto podcasters and Odyssey as well. Today, my guest is Matthew Gilman. Uh, we're continuing our series on the Duncan Lemp uh, book he wrote, uh, the uh, Crash of the Night, the Assassination of Duncan Lemp. This may be the last episode. We'll see. Uh, I think it may actually be. Uh, but just to remind you guys how this works, if you're watching the 22nd, uh, you are watching the live stream. Uh, what happens is almost immediately after, I will take it down, and uh, it'll put up about roughly a week or so up later publicly. So you either got to catch the live stream or you got to wait. Uh, if you want to have access in the meantime, you need a patron at patreon.com. Just no way Jose 2020. Uh, the lowest level is 2 bucks. The highest level is 20 and 20 is my sponsors. Uh, $2 gets you the access to it in the meantime, though. So that's you know that's all you really got to do is the 2 bucks. But there's different levels of 5 10 20 so and they all have different perks. But the $20 levels of sponsors are my sponsors. are Mikel Thorpe of the Expat Money Show. If you want to get the hell out of Dodge, move to a different country, passports, I know, or if you want to have dual citizenship, stuff like that, he's your guy. He's a podcast. He also does it as a business, the, the Expat Money Show. Uh, I also have Jeremy, who has an Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash Raising Liberty. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Rhymes. Uh, also have Toad. Uh, he's my co-host on Tower Power Hour, so go check out that show for sure. Uh, yeah, it's mostly on Odyssey, so I said, but there is a YouTube as well. But I, I suggest going to Odyssey if you can. Uh, we only keep the past few episodes up on uh, on YouTube, and then the whole uh, all the episodes go up on, on Odyssey. So if you want to see any of the good stuff, like our shoe on head episode or multiple Dave Smiths, uh, we've got some other big names I'm not thinking of right now, uh, and then just other some good episodes that were just us and the boys. Uh, highly suggest checking it out. Uh, that's Toad uh, at tph underscore Toad on Twitter. If you want to follow him there, uh, yeah. Also, Top Lobster, uh, toplobster.com. You also say at checkout for ten percent off. He does my merch. He does a bunch of other shows merch. So if you want to get No Way Jose merch, that's the place to do it. Uh, I suggest doing that. Uh, he also has a lot of other good uh, stuff in there as well. That's not show merch. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and get uh, Matthew and get into it. Hey, what's up, man? Not much. How you been? Good, good. I saw you on uh, the Libertarian Institute the other day uh, with uh, Keith Knight. That was pretty dope. Uh, so if, if I, I suggest people, if you want to get what we're doing in a like 30-minute condensed version, uh, if, you do, if you don't want to do go or read the book, <laughs> I guess that's the place to do it. <laughs> you know. So uh, it, it was a good interview, though. I enjoyed it. Uh, I like Keith, and I like you, obviously. So And I'm glad that they did that. That was cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you, you ready to get into it, man? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, let's, uh, let's start off with, uh, uh, what, like, what was, uh, let's talk about crypto. Uh, cause that was a big part of Duncan. Uh, let's talk about what kind of, uh, uh, what his, in, why, what his involvement in crypto was actually start off with, uh, once again, this, this is series. I'm kind of trying to maybe evergreen. I know most of my audience probably already knows what crypto is and stuff like that. But let's just do a quick refresher on like, what is crypto? Why is it a threat in the government? And then we'll get into Duncan's involvement. Just a real crash course. Uh, not too long. Cause I, like I said, <laughs> most of my audience already knows, but you never know when new people might be showing up on this. And uh, I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not very, uh, I know, I know uh, crypto theoretically. I don't have very, I don't have any, I'm awful when it comes to tech stuff. I need to do that. Uh, so, I mean, I guess, there's probably people out there who don't. So uh, let, let's, you, if you don't mind, you want to do a quick uh, kind of what is crypto and then like you know, it's kind of role <laughs> in relation to the government. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, you're probably more uh, familiar with it than I am. Uh, I, I still don't 
fully grasp the idea of crypto. Uh, for me, I like having something tangible that I can hold in my hand that has value. Uh, so the idea of a digital currency doesn't really click in my head, but um, for whatever reason it does for several other people. Uh, but it's a digital form of currency, especially with Bitcoin. Bitcoin seems to be the primary one, although there's also Deutsch and, and other forms of um, coins. There, Deutsch has a, it's another, it's like a token. The Dogecoin, which, the D-O-G-E. The, the yeah, Dogecoin. like there's tokens, there's coins, there's there's all these different forms and they have different, uh, each term has a, a different meaning behind it, but when it comes to cryptocurrency, they're all under that same category. Uh, but it's not created by a government or a central bank or a federal reserve. It's uh, uh, individuals outside of that system who create this, this currency, which develops its own uh, value according to the people who want to use it. So the more people who want to use it, the higher the value goes. Uh, with Bitcoin, there's a set number of Bitcoin. Uh, there's never going to be any more. Real you quick, I did want to emphasize because you brought up the other coins. That is the major one of the major differentiations between it and some of the other ones. I think some of the other crypto have limited as well, but some don't. Uh, a lot of people just see crypto as like all the same. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of them are different. Once again, like I said, I don't I don't really have any crypto. Mostly just because I'm a tech <laughs> idiot. In theory, I like the concept of it. I just I'm I, it daunts me to try to get into it uh, tech wise. I'm kind of like an old man in that way, but theoretically <laughs> I like the concept of it, but yes, they are, they are different. I know uh, that's the big thing with Doge. I think they can just kind of make more, I believe. Mm -hmm. right? So that's a, that's why a lot of people are kind of like, a lot of people will trade in, in what's called, they call them shit coins. A lot of times is they'll, they'll trade in them to, you know, kind of flip kind of just to make money more of a, like an investment thing. Cause then they'll go up in value. But most, a lot of crypto people know they are in the end kind of a, uh, uh, long-term bad investments but you can kind of make short-term games here and there so but yeah. i didn't mean to cut you off go on <laughs> uh the other thing with bitcoin is because there's a finite number there are coins that have been lost over the years uh there was the case of the guy who threw away hard drive and had his um i forget how many digits it is but it's the the passcode for his coins then he realized years later that this thing was worth millions of dollars now and uh he actually was trying to get the dump to look in the area that his hard drive would have been at the time <laughs> when it was uh thrown into the dump uh so the more coins that disappear uh the less there are which means that the ones that are still in use have a higher value um so with duncan he was very interested in bitcoin um it sounded like it was for several reasons. One was uh, the independence of the individual to have some form of currency outside of government, uh, to be able to be able to purchase things without any t tracking or tracing. Uh, it was digital. It was high tech. It, uh, he was a very techy guy, a programmer. So I, you know you come up with some form of currency that involves what you're interested in. You're, you're going to um, probably uh, it's going to pique your interest. Uh, he did a couple interviews. They're still available on YouTube where he was talking about um, Binance 
uh, which is a form of cryptocurrency trading. It's like a trading system that's online and it's an exchange. Trying... It might be an exchange, I believe. I don't, I don't yeah, that um, sounds familiar, but I'm not entirely sure. It's it's come up quite a bit with this. Uh, Was it FTX? FTX. Yeah, mm -hmm. like they were supposed to be an alternative to this, and obviously. <laughs> Uh, was kind of a bad idea <laughs> for yeah. anybody who used it. Um, but um, yeah, he was interested in, in improving Binance um, for, for crypto. Um, the, the downside that I found with Bitcoin was the fact that every transaction was added to that Bitcoin. So if you bought Bitcoin, uh, whatever it is that you bought would have every transaction used on that, that Bitcoin, that amount. Uh, so anybody could go back and see that, you know, five years ago, so-and-so bought something online on eBay or this place or that place, or there was a transaction privately amongst two people and you would, you would know uh, the information behind that. Uh, so that's, Security-wise, I, I never understood that aspect of Bitcoin because uh, all it would take would, would be some type of um, uh, – all it would take would be the government to become interested enough to say, like, we want to invest in Bitcoin and because now, they, now they're talking about with F FTX that they want to regulate Bitcoin. Well, all they'd have to do is take one of these – uh, these bills put a couple billion dollars into it and they could buy virtually all the Bitcoin that's out there and then recirculate it and they would have the access to all that information. They would be able to look at that Bitcoin and see what was purchased beforehand, what kind of transactions were taxable. Um, so I never really understood that when it came to Bitcoin, but why it was a threat to the government is the fact that it's a form of currency. They don't know what's out there. They they don't know how it's being used. They they can't monitor the transactions. I guess technically they could with all the information that they are tracking online, but um, it just makes everything more difficult. It's not like you can take. It's not like you go through an airport and they know how much money is in your suitcase or what you have to claim, right? Uh, you have your cell phone, you've got your numbers, you've got an account somewhere else. I, I don't know exactly how it works. I'm guessing like it's not on your phone. But uh, yeah, when it comes to Bitcoin, they have no idea like how much you have, where it's at, how you're using it. Uh, it's kind of a nightmare for them, especially when they like to control people the way that they do. Yeah, I don't know the details of how it works with the, uh, the tracking. I know they can i don't think it's particularly easy if i uh if i recall i, I believe because uh, i think the idea of how it's tracked is there's like some sort of ledger and i think that's more of the purpose so that they can uh keep it can keep track of itself in a certain way that way you know where all the bitcoin is kind of deal but i don't think it's like super easy i mean yes i think they they obviously are able to track what's done where but i don't think it's like the easiest thing so i think it's like it's way more difficult than just like your normal like uh you know, debit card transaction or some shit, you know, like, uh, so, I mean, but once again, I'm not, I'm no crypto guy. I would, uh, I would suggest people like, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe like a Vin Armani or a Sal, the Agger, Sal Mayweather. Uh, there, there's definitely, 
uh Saif Dean, uh, I think is one dude. There, there's a lot of guys who are big into crypto. If that's something you want to delve into for our purposes, it's probably enough digging because me and you don't really know what we're talking about a whole lot. Uh, I like the idea in theory. Uh, and, uh, you know, I did want to touch on it real quick because, uh, um, the big thing with like the government getting involved, I, I don't, I mean, I guess theoretically they could buy up a ton of the, ton of Bitcoin, but I guess eventually that would just, it, it eventually would recirculate back to other private actors and also government actors. Uh, the big, the big threat is we mentioned stuff like Doge before is stuff like that. They can manipulate, they can add, uh, cause that's the big thing. If they ever gone to Bitcoin, like even if they did try to take over the market share and just like have all of it. And try to manipulate it like they'd be trying to manipulate to destroy it not to use it as like a, as a currency because uh there, there's just not a feasible because the, the big thing with our, our financial system is that they can print more money and they can uh, manipulate the currency and they like you said they could buy a bunch of it up and they can manipulate that way but that's like they that's just only like one trick out of whereas with something like a a fiat currency or like a dogecoin or something they can manipulate it far more to, to their liking. Uh, so, cause I mean, most people are concerned they're going to swap over to a crypto type of uh, fiat system soon. Bitcoin doesn't really work well for that. Um, and then I did real quick on touch on the exchanges cause FTX did go down. I don't know about Binance. So I don't know the features of Binance. I've heard of it before vaguely. Uh, so I don't want to like shit on the memory of like Duncan, if he was you know pushing that, I don't know the details of Binance, but I know something like FTX is the idea is it's essentially like a bank for crypto. Mm -hmm. And one of the perks of crypto is that you don't need a bank because uh, it's like I know it's not <laughs> not not your keys, uh, not your 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 crypto or some shit. I forget there's some term they use, but basically the idea is you can uh, have your own crypto and store it yourself. Like you can have your own wallet, uh, but that that's where it gets a little bit more difficult. And that's the daunting thing for me. Like I probably could go get on an exchange of some sort, and it'd be a lot easier. It's a lot more user friendly. Uh, but now the issue is if you're trying to figure out the aspect of having your own like wallet and stuff, it's a little bit more difficult. And that's why, uh, the, the, all these exchanges come in. But then with that comes other issues, you know, as we saw with FTX where they can manipulate stuff. Also technically same thing with the Canadian trucker protests. Uh, that was the big reason why they were able to fuck a lot of those guys over is because their money was held on their crypto was held on exchanges. Whereas had it been in their own wallet, like uh, I think they would have been able to possibly, the government might have been able to stop them from doing, uh, I'm talking a little bit on my ass here, but I think the government would have been able to talk, tell, uh, stop them from like, uh, you know, trading uh, crypto, but they wouldn't have been able to like keep their crypto away kind of deal. I, I might be wrong, uh, but I know the big thing with the Canadian was the fact that they were on exchanges. And so that's how they were able to be like, nope, uh, that's not yours anymore. See ya. Like, cause it, it kind of isn't the same concept with a bank. It's like you saw the bank runs, uh, what was it? Uh, I forget, it was in the early 1900s or maybe mid-1900s, uh, where like that's like a wonderful life, you know, like there's that one scene <laughs> with the bank. Um, that was the thing, is they, they were like, you know, manipulating the currency and people came to get their uh, lost trust in the bank and they came to get their money out and they were like, oh, well, uh, sorry. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> it's not really yours. Like you're giving it to me, giving it to this other entity and people don't really read the dotted line or the, uh, the little, the little small text at the bottom of the little contracts or whatever, you know, like sort of not your money kind of is kind of isn't. So, but all right, let's move on to guns. We've talked about guns a little bit before, uh, you know, with Duncan, uh, let, let's, let's touch on a little bit more. Uh, kind of like the the uh, the aspects, like the details of his supposed crimes in that aspect, and some, <laughs> some other things. I don't think we really touched too much on like the ghost gun aspect as well. 
so yeah, let's go ahead and dig into that. Uh, skimming through the book real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, what 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 did he suppose? What was the supposed crime uh, that the uh, Montgomery County was? Uh, focused on it with this raid. I believe we did touch on this before, but we're going to go a little bit more into it here. Yeah, so they initially got the warrant to go into the house uh, and conduct this no-knock raid for a rifle that he owned. It was, um, I believe it was an Israeli X90 uh, style rifle. Uh, there's variations of it. He had a legal one. Uh, he had one that he bought uh, in Maryland from a gun Israeli shop. IW, Israeli made IWI Tavor X95. So any gun yeah. nerds out there that yeah. might mean something <laughs> so, to you. <laughs> sorry, I got the number wrong. Don't, no, I, I just looked. I only knew it because I looked it up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so his was completely legal. He he bought it legally. Uh, background check cleared a background check. Um, it was uh semi auto, not a full auto. Um, uh, there was the uh question of the length of the barrel, um, because there's a stipulation in Maryland about uh what makes it uh an assault rifle, and apparently the length of the barrel uh, is a determining factor. Uh, the Montgomery County Police was trying to claim that this gun was capable of uh being being fired in full auto uh, which of course goes back to 1980s uh gun laws when it comes to uh owning automatic firearms um but this was the rifle that they got the warrant for um however their investigation even though duncan was deceased after the raid or during the raid uh, their investigation continued and they confiscated other firearms, a 3d printer, all of his computers, a notebook, two cell phones, um, and a drill press. And so with these items, they were putting together, uh, that he was planning <laughs> to build uh, 3D printed firearms and distribute them, either sell them or distribute them to other people. Uh, of course, this was after uh, the raid. Uh, why they were still investigating this or coming up with reasons as to why the raid was justified uh, doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. It just sounds more like they're trying to cover their asses for what happened as opposed to like, um, saying that they had probable cause because the rifle in question that they had the, the warrant for was completely legal uh, on all accounts, other than uh, they still claimed that he had a felony as a minor, which means in the state of Maryland, he couldn't own any firearms until the age of 30. But again, he passed background checks repeatedly over and over again, uh, which also means if he thinks and or knows that he can legally purchase these weapons, he can also legally make 3D printed firearms at home. Uh, and a ghost gun is where you print the receiver on a 3D printer, uh, which is the, the one part of the weapon that will have a serial number on it, which <sighs> this is the crazy part of the, the police argument is that 
it means that there's no record of it and there's no registry. Well, for one, a registry for firearms by the federal government is illegal. The Supreme Court already said so. There's no reason for the government to have a registry of who owns what, which is why they have the credit cards doing that for them now. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that there's this big argument about, you know, ghost guns and how legal they are and they can't be traced, which they're not supposed to be able to trace these things anyways. Um, but he did, from the report, he did make, uh, I believe it was two pistols and a rifle uh, from a 3D printer. They also stated in the report that building and making these firearms was not illegal in the state of Maryland, except unless you have a, uh, a felony as a minor. So, you know, they're still pushing for that argument, which they've still not shown any proof that that is true. Um, so again, like clarify, they haven't even shown it to his lawyer or no. the family's lawyer. So it's not as simple as they haven't shown to the public. Cause you can justify that as like, whatever, we don't need to know, or it's sealed or some bullshit. But to the fact that you wouldn't provide that to the, the essentially the, I guess it wouldn't, it would be the, I don't know if you'd call them the defense, but I guess the defense, the family's lawyer, when they're pursuing this legally, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, I don't know the details legally. Maybe there's some reason why they don't have to, but you know, typically the, uh, the standard is usually they're supposed to give the pertinent information to the, uh, to the other lawyer, the defense mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. There's the discovery aspect of a lawsuit where whatever evidence the, the other party has has to be disclosed to the other side. So the fact that the prosecuting attorney uh, who investigated the shooting right afterwards was able to access uh, any records about Duncan Lamb as a minor uh, right away. To, and that was to uh, say that the, the shooting was justified by the shooting officer. He was able to see it. And now that there's a lawsuit against the, the, the county for Duncan's death, murder, however it is you want to put it, uh, now all of a sudden they're saying, well, the records of a minor are sealed. Uh, you can't have access to that. And then, you know, the lawyer comes back and says, no, uh, I have the right to see this. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, uh, we can't find it right now because of COVID. <laughs> now COVID's over. And as far as I can tell, she still hasn't had any access to these documents that allegedly uh, exist, proving that Duncan wasn't allowed to own these firearms. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, and, and still there's also no evidence other than they collected these items from a house that shows any, any valid proof that Duncan was planning on creating like some type of libertarian militia factory of ghost guns for, for, uh, an army, you know, it's, it's just, um, uh, it was a in my opinion, it was just a, a fabrication in order to make, try to make him look uh, more dangerous in their eyes. Um, I just kept seeing like, that's not illegal. That's not illegal. If, if I had the, <laughs> if I had, could go back to every uh, estate sale I've ever been to and point out like, Hey, they have a drill press. They, they must've been building ghost guns. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a common tool in almost every household that, that has a tool room or a tool shed, you know, 
most most guys who tinker around with stuff like that have a drill press. It doesn't just have one function, but in course, in law enforcement eyes, uh, you know, they're going to try to connect it any way that they can. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he was out there drilling third holes. Uh, but, you know, like, it's also, like, on you to prove that. Like, and they definitely did not. Uh, I mean, especially, you know, drilling third hole. I don't know that refers to, like, making it auto, like, taking a, a certain guns, uh, you know, taking it from, like, a, you know, semi-automatic to automatic uh, by, you know, augmenting the gun. Uh, and, uh, you know, to bring that up uh, with the gun in question that he got is actually able to, they, you're able to get it in automatic, I think in some areas. And you also, I believe that you probably can, uh, alter it. Uh, I mean, I don't know the details of that gun. Maybe you, it's not a gun you can alter, but I think most you kind of can, uh, any, any gun that is typically, you know, may have an automatic function. You usually can, uh, there's ways to change it to, you know, make it that way. But uh, I did. I thought it was interesting that the way the cops confirmed uh, it, the, the the that it was actually, in fact, in their head, a automatic is they sent a picture uh, to the manufacturer to to have them to say, hey, could this be automatic or is this automatic? And they basically were like, yeah, it could be. But uh, they there was at the same time there was a video on his Instagram that showed him shooting. And you can tell that like there was no automatic fire at that point, uh, which, you know, if anyone's ever shot even a simple three round burst, it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, <laughs> if it, 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 the difference between someone just pulling the trigger real quick and an automatic, you know, it's all, it's very different. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. I also wanted to mention, I just, cause I just thought it was funny. Uh, I don't know if they did this on purpose uh, to make a point, but they, they made a point to mention that they that he had one of the many many things that confiscated was a pistol with a bullet in the chamber like oh no <laughs> and then like it's just like I, really honestly if now unless you have like kids running around or something like I, like if that then I can understand but really it's almost silly not to like if you're a big gun person not to have a gun around that has one in the, one in the chamber like yeah now if you have children in the house yeah that's a little bit different but like in his house there was no kids so like. The idea that he wouldn't just have like a pistol on his nightstand with you know one in the chamber ready to go. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, anytime I carry, it's in the chamber ready to go. <laughs> like, yeah, and and the weird thing about that, and this is what I picked up from the report too, was they they mentioned the the pistol in the nightstand that had a bullet in the chamber because they found another pistol somewhere else that with a loaded magazine, but it didn't have one in the chamber. Um, so. Having said that, you have a gun that's ready to go, but their their claim, their argument was that he had picked up the rifle, the one that wasn't loaded, didn't have one in the chamber. Like that would be, he wouldn't reach for the pistol that's in the nightstand that's ready to go. He'd go for the rifle that's more cumbersome and he'd have to rack it first. And and uh, they also stated the magazine fell out of the rifle which means that it wasn't even ready to go to be fired. It, it's just the, the whole story just doesn't make any sense. It's like, he's got a, a weapon that's ready to go. Obviously he put it there for that reason. Then he's got this other rifle and they're so focused and concentrated on this rifle that they come up with this story that he raised it at the officers 
they told him to put it down. They shoot him. He fell on the weapon. That's more evidence that he had it on him. While he's bleeding to death because he was shot multiple times, they had to remove it from under his body. They put it on the bed, and there's not a drop of blood on the weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean... It is a little bit hard to believe. I know the thing that always comes back to me that fucks with me is the uh, supposed, uh, you know, uh, testimony of Casey that he did fire uh, in the in the one. But that was the one that was supposedly supposed to be sealed. It's very (laughs) weird. Like there's so much weirdness around that. And like, I I don't know. I just I, I mean, maybe it was just like a fog like I mean, maybe it was one of those things where they misrepresented what she said. Like, maybe it was like a maybe he could have. I'm not entirely sure type thing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to find out more about that for sure because that 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 aspect is weird. And, uh, you know, when I talked to Casey in my show, she was adamant that she had basically never changed her story. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not trying to call her a liar at all. If anything, I'm more I'd be more leaning towards that. Uh, either it was they straight up lied or it was one of those factual but not truthful type things from the government, you know, where they're misrepresenting uh, what she said, but technically it's true. Maybe it was, like I said, seated in like, a, well, maybe I'm not entirely sure or something like that, you know. So uh, that that is one that really fucks with me. All right, let's move on to uh, one of the guys you interviewed uh, in this was Mike Dunn. Uh, and he, he had some uh, stuff that came up, uh, and this was stuff uh, – you know, stuff that he said was stuff that I've heard elsewhere about this, but it was never really all that confirmed. And we'll kind of get into that, but I want to kind of start out with who the hell Mike Dunn is. And then I do would like you to address some of the possible fed implications uh, (laughs) because I do think it's important because it, uh, it, to some people that may uh, denigrate his, you know, testimony Uh, from what I know, I I don't know. It doesn't really seem, um, I, I, I don't know much about the guy, but the, the thing that people point to, doesn't really seem to be that uh you know bulletproof of that like oh he's a fed uh but you know i don't know and also the stuff that he says seems to be weird that it this would be like a fed psyop that he's like you know pushing out to the world because that i mean if anything i don't think that'd be some stuff feds want to get out but uh let's talk about him real quick and then kind of what he uh revealed about what he thought duncan was up to Okay, so Mike Dunn is a former uh, leader of the Boogaloo Boys. Uh, There was a a Vice documentary that was done about him. Uh, He was very involved in the Boogaloo, uh, especially 2020, uh, around that time, uh, especially leading up to around the time that Duncan Lump uh, was shot and killed. Uh, he was starting his own militia called the v- Virginia Knights. Uh, Duncan was making, had made the website for that group. Uh, that was the start of their interactions. They started talking on uh, Facebook and different groups. Uh, and then elsewhere online, uh, Duncan worked in this project for him. Uh, there was, uh, from from what I got out of Mike, there was a lot of interactions through various social media and off of that uh, between the two of them. They, they talked about a lot of things that they were interested in. Um, but as for Mike, uh, yeah, he, he's got an interesting history. He's a Marine uh, who was medically discharged after a, a tour in Afghanistan. 
uh, at 19. He joined when he was 17, uh, was already uh, out of service at 19, went and started uh, working with the Boogaloo Boys after that, uh, the Virginia Knights, uh, was doing a lot of protesting when it came to 2A in Virginia, uh, was arrested uh, a few times over that. Uh, there was a, an incident where one of the guys uh, affiliated with his group was trying to convince Mike that it was a good idea to bomb a hospital in order to start the Boog. Um, and from what I learned about the Boogaloo Boys was that they were ready and prepared to fight in the Boog when it happened, but it was not their place to start it. That was for the government to do. So Mike turns this guy in, and right away people are saying that, oh, he's a fed, uh, he's a traitor to his own people, he'd turn his own guys in, what kind of person does this? Um, Mike ends up leaving the Boogaloo Boys, and not long after that, he uh, heads over to Ukraine. Uh, this was just right after Russia invaded, and uh, he's been over there on and off uh, a couple times uh, in the last year so. Uh, that's kind of been his focus. There's some ideas and thoughts out there that he'll probably end up coming back to the, the Boogaloo. Um, I don't know. Uh, it just seems like uh, he's kind of focused on other things and trying to find his place as to what he wants to do. Um, there was uh, some criticism that he did work as a correction officer for a while, but again, he's former military there's not much work in civilian life that translates um, uh, from that kind of background. So a lot of former army Marines, they end up going into things like law enforcement, um, corrections, security, um, things of that nature, which, you know, if you're, if you're a libertarian slash uh, anarchist, um, you have guys in your group that are, have certain backgrounds. Um, there's only so much work that they can do with the experience that they have. And it's probably not going to align with a lot of the ideas that other people have. And uh, I think that's kind of where uh, Mike's getting stuck in the whole ordeal. Yeah. I will say with the, uh, with the corrections thing, I've, I've known a lot of people went corrections uh, route. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of people have the mentality of like, you know, even as an anarchist, they're like, well, well I think it's bad. Uh, you know, what's going on there, but, you know, I can, you know, at least if I'm there, you know, I'll be a little, be a little bit different. Not that they think they can change it, but then, you know, I know be someone who's not as shitty as the rest kind of deal. And I think most people end up getting burnt out and realizing that's kind of a, a little bit of a folly there, but they, you know, it, that's how a lot of people look at it. And I understand it. I'd be like being a corrections officer is a little bit different than being like a legit cop or like a, something like that. So I don't, I don't really look down on people who do that. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I think that most of them, end up being like, Oh shit, I was wrong. I mean, I think, but you know, I, I understand the reasoning. Uh, but yeah, let's get into what, uh, Mike revealed about, uh, what he thought, uh, you know, Duncan was up to, which, you know, this is kind of, I guess, one of the bigger conspiracies that touches on, but it's not, there's only like a few minor semi confirmations out there. So it's like, we don't really know for sure, but it does have a lot of uh, you know, implications of like a grander types conspiracy, possibly. Mm -hmm. So, so 
when I reached out to Mike, uh, he was in Ukraine. Um, so I was, <clears throat> I was thinking that, you know, I, when I reached out to him that, you know, I was probably going to get like a FU or I don't want to talk about it or, uh, something of that nature. And uh, so I just sent him a message explaining like, Hey, I'm writing a book on this topic. Uh, I see from this Alex Jones interview that you did, um, a year or two prior that, uh, you said that you knew Duncan, would you be willing to discuss that? And the first message I got back uh, right away was a lengthy paragraph about how he knew Duncan, their interactions, that he believed that Duncan was murdered because of a Silk Road style program that he was designing for the militias in order to communicate amongst each other outside of the view of the government and uh, have some trade and transactions amongst themselves, again, out of the view of the government. And he believes that's why he was killed. Um, and that was the first response that I got. We, we had some, some longer, uh, we had a, quite a long conversation that went on for a couple of days through uh, this, this chat and um, while he was overseas and um, revealed quite a bit. And there were some things that um, I asked him about that I, kind of already had the answers to and he just uh confirmed the the information that i already had um i was trying to see whether or not what he was saying was legit um and uh you know there's there's also the other confirmation that i was able to find aside from somebody who who knew him talked to him directly was involved with him uh personally in in business uh no less um, was the, the, the comments on Duncan's last post, which was a picture of a laptop screen with code on it and a pistol next to the, the laptop. And there was an individual who was, I want to say he was like a CFO or CEO of like some, um, uh, computer, uh, program company of, of, of some sort. Uh, was asking Duncan, like, what kind of projects are you working on lately? And Duncan kind of in code uh, basically said the same thing that uh, Mike Dunn was saying, was that he was working on a uh, alternate, uh, I wish I could remember the, the actual terms that he used. It was like an alternate market for the alt-right variety uh, using Binance and uh other programming um i can't remember all of it off the top of my head but it was pretty much getting to the point of like almost exactly what mike was was describing and uh seemed to be also in line with duncan's ideas and what he was kind of tinkering around with at the time um Again, I don't know if uh, working on a project like this is necessarily illegal. Uh, I don't know that the government would have any proof other than a simple comment on Instagram uh, would be enough to justify. I could see it starting an investigation, but going to a guy's house in the middle of the night and just shooting him over some comment where... I don't know. I, I kind of looked at it at first. I found it before I talked to Mike Dunn. Um, 
And at first I kind of got the impression that maybe he was just trying to impress this guy. Cause I looked at the other guy's uh, Instagram account and was looking into his history and it was like, he was kind of a big deal for, um, for that industry. And um, you know, if Duncan wanted to impress somebody, you know, that'd be one way of doing it. But then again, um, I'm kind of thinking that maybe he was just being honest and almost bragging in an indirect way, thinking that, you know, he, if he said it in a certain way, nobody else would understand what the heck he was saying. Um, But then again, can't ask him. We don't know. We just have the comments sitting there online still. So, yeah. Uh, Well, for context, uh, we mentioned Silk Road. I don't know if we've mentioned this series uh, elaborate on what Silk Road was, or, or I guess not is. I was about to say is, but I don't think it exists in it at all anymore. Uh, but it, I think once you understand what Silk Road is, it, it make will make you understand why this was such a big deal. And on the legality aspect, uh, I mean, what Ross Ulbricht did with uh, the Silk Road was absolutely, you know, definitely probably illegal. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm an anarchist. I think what he there was nothing wrong with what he did. I know a lot of people think that there might have been like uh, the big aspect of that whole thing was that, you know, supposedly he was putting out hits on people with it. I, I mean, I, I've gone on a little bit deep dives. I've forgotten way more than, than I remember about it. Uh, I was never really convinced that that was actually legit. It just seemed to be something the feds were trying to hem them up on so they can get them. But the Silk Road was clearly something they felt threatened by. And it mm-hmm. was a very much a de- de- demonstrated the, uh, the use of cryptocurrency and what a threat it is to the government. And, and, you know, also kind of showed the multiple uses of it, uh, you know, of crypto. It's more than just, you know, money. Uh, Cause they, I think they were able to, I don't know. I, m- I might be wrong. I don't know. I don't know if crypto was entirely or not crypto, but uh silk road was entirely like a, uh, I think it was know, just Bitcoin. I think it yeah. was completely run on Bitcoin. Well, I was gonna say I didn't know if uh, God, what's the technology Bitcoin uses? Well, I guess I think it's I think it's crypto. No, God, I'm forgetting it. I'm, I'm, all my all the crypto people are probably mad at me. But there's a blockchain <laughs> blockchain technology. That's yeah. what because that's what is like essentially enables uh, cryptocurrency, makes it basically unhackable. Uh, is the fact that it's uh, run off of blockchain technology, which. I couldn't really explain to people right now, but uh, I'm not entirely sure if Silk Road ran off blockchain. I don't know if what Duncan was trying to do was going to run off a of blockchain as well to kind of make it, you know, impenetrable by the government so they can't br- uh, bring it down. But uh, I'll give you a second if, if you can, uh, you know, to let people know what uh, the Silk Road was. I think most of my audience, like I said, probably know, but uh, maybe not. Uh, let's go over what Silk Road is because I think once you have that context. Uh, it'll make you understand why it's such a big deal that maybe Duncan may have been, uh, you know, looking into this sort of thing. So the Silk Road was a dark web internet alternative for uh, a marketplace, uh, but outside of the government's eye, outside of Google, uh, a lot of the um, alphabet corporations and agencies. Um, It was basically like a a hidden underground website where people could use Bitcoin to trade for anything that they wanted. Uh, It was almost like an eBay marketplace, uh, but Bitcoin was the only form of currency that was used. Um, There wasn't any regulations uh, as for what could be traded. It could be 
a classic car. It could be a, uh, a ball of cocaine. <laughs> um, people were um, uh, trading drugs, uh, among other things, on uh, the Silk Road. But it also had other features, too. Like, there were chat rooms. Um, there was a book club. <laughs> and um, being a an anarchist, uh, some of the books that were... Uh, Use for the book club, their their copyright. Uh, there was copyright infringement going on, including the anarchist cookbook. Um, <laughs> uh, I never quite understood the whole copyright thing when it came to the anarchist cookbook. Uh, seems counterintuitive, but then again, um, you know that was one of the books that was uh, in the book club. Um, but there was a, a few others where um, people were mad that their book was being traded for free on there. Um, but there was a lot of other features that were, were on this website. But Bitcoin was the primary currency. Um, it was basically the illegal activity of like uh, the drug trade. Uh, I believe there might have been prostitution and a few other things going on uh, of that nature. Um, but the guy who created it was also accused of um, trying to hire like five different hitmen or something. But then again, all those charges were dropped. Mm -hmm. So it, for such a serious crime <laughs> that they really wanted to nail him for, uh, for them to just drop the charges kind of tells me that it was just one of those things that they made up trying to get him to plea bargain, you know, for, for a lower charge. Um but um, yeah, it, it was it was definitely. I remember when that happened with the the investigation and the arrest and everything. And you know, they were talking about the Silk Road and uh, on the news. And um, it was definitely an. In, this was what 2014. It was uh, it was not long after like Michael Hastings and and uh, Edward Snowden. So they were like really trying to crack down on the internet at that time with uh, a lot of the the leaks and everything that were happening at that point. Yeah. Uh, one aspect of this uh, Silk Road and uh, what Duncan was possibly uh, may have been getting into, uh, I do think it's important to note uh, one thing this would do, because uh, he was kind of trying to make this like an organizing thing for like militia type people. Uh, one thing this would do would give them a platform that wasn't infiltrated uh, by feds because uh, maybe we've talked about this before. I've definitely talked about it on other shows. Uh, it's, it's pretty well known. Uh, I definitely talked about it on the, on the Michigan uh, uh, kidnapping stuff I've done. Uh, yeah. The, the special like Facebook is infiltrated through and through. It's basically, you know, hand in pocket with the government. Uh, so the thing, the aspect of creating something like this would give them something like, yeah, I'm sure they could, uh, they could spy on it. They could get in there. They could have their people in there, but they wouldn't be able to infiltrate it to the extent they've infiltrated things like Facebook to where they literally are able to access like private messages and stuff like that on a whim without having to put forth any effort whatsoever. Uh, so I, I do think that's, uh, something interesting to note, uh, especially considering that's one of the big downfalls of militias like infiltrated by feds. They don't really have a place, uh, you know, like that. That's like decentralized that they can interact in. Um, uh, you brought up, uh, Duncan's admissions on working in this. Uh, wasn't there, there was also like an exchange with his mother that kind of implied that. Right. Uh, I don't know if you recall that. I mean, it's yeah. Implies it. yeah, it was, um, 
there was a text, a series of text messages between him and his mom where, oh man, um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember that how the conversation worked out without <laughs> looking at it, but she was showing concern about what was going on at home. Um, and he, he kind of shifted the subject over to his guns and she was implying that she wanted him to, to like have whatever it is that he was doing elsewhere outside of the house that she didn't want the family to be implicated in what he was doing. And he did make a comment about how like, they're not coming after my guns or coming after my ideas. Um, that, um, oh man, I've got, I've got the whole series of text messages in the book. Uh, yeah, I'm actually trying to go to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, recorded in the, uh, the final police report, um, the December 31st, 2020, uh, report that was put out, but it, it definitely like he, he was trying to make the conversation about something else. And the mom, his mom was really uh, pushing it back to what she wanted to talk about. And finally he was just like, you know, let's discuss this at home. Uh, but yeah, she was worried about whatever it is that he was working on, that the rest of the family was going to be implicated in it. Uh, and that doesn't sound like it's him legally owning firearms. It, yeah. it definitely sounds like something else that that was going on that either she got whim of it or he had mentioned it. Uh, maybe she she had seen this behavior before and kind of knew that he was up to something. Um, who knows? Um, but yeah, there was there was that conversation and there was the other conversation about um, uh, wanting to to get something on the door. There's definitely a series of, of conversations between him and his mom about security and, and uh, things going on at the house to the point where whatever it is that he was working on, um, she wanted it to be somewhere else. Uh, he wanted more security and um, you know, uh, both of their concerns were, were definitely uh merited with what had happened in the end oh for sure uh one other thing that i do think implies this is the aspect of the cop search uh, i think you know what i'm getting at uh you know kind of the uh all the things they went through how the extent to which they tore apart everything uh i'll i'll let you go uh i think yeah i'm sure you know what i'm getting at uh mm -hmm. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the the raid takes place. Duncan is shot. Uh, he's on the floor, bleeding to death. The the police go through the house. They secure the rest of the family members, handcuffing them, uh, making sure they can't go anywhere, destroy any evidence. And even though the the warrant was for this rifle, um, it, it only stated the rifle. It didn't say anything else about any other kind of investigations going on. They proceeded to uh, tear apart uh, Casey Robinson's car. They took her laptop, her cell phone. They took Duncan's laptop, notebook, cell phone, 
3D printer, a drill press, all of his firearms, um, the bulletproof vest, the ammo that he had. Um, but yeah, all the electronic equipment that was in the house uh, went with the police, even though the warrant was for the rifle. The, the arrest warrant was because he, he had this rifle. Um, the other thing that was revealed in the interview that you had with Casey is the questions that they uh, proceeded to um, barrage her with um, at, right after the shooting was uh, who he hang out with? How long did he have these ideas? Um, did you know that he was involved in this kind of stuff? What was he planning to do with it? None of it had anything to do with the fact that he had allegedly a felony as a minor or was in possession of a rifle they believed to be illegal. It all had to do with domestic terrorism bullshit. Um, so the the justification for the warrant was complete BS to begin with. Um, this is where I would get into uh, the confidential source that uh, originally contacted the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department which I believe to be the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, they were the only alphabet agency that was really focusing on this at the time. The FBI is now doing it, but this came post-January 6th. Um, as one agent recently put it, they have more agents looking for domestic terrorists than actually exist. Uh, that was a comment that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, because the Biden administration has this number of terrorists that they want found, and the FBI is like, we can't give you what doesn't exist. Uh, but Department of Homeland Security, through statements by um, the head Mayorkas, um, he himself has stated that for the last couple of years, they've solely focused on domestic terrorism or uh, domestic violent extremists is what they like to call them, DVEs, where they create these files. They go through all these different websites to find out what different accounts that they have. They look at the activity, the, the comments, um, who they're connected with. And so there's this whole web that they have created where they just open files and individuals that leads to other people. They open files on them. And then when there's a bit of information where they think that they have enough to send to state, county, or local police departments, they forward it to them. And they say, this is what we have. We'd like you to investigate if possible. They'll give suggestions as to how they can get a warrant with the information that they have, even though it was all collected with, without a warrant. All the information that's handed off to these police departments is completely illegal. Um, that's why when they do arrest people, the first thing that they'll do is they'll grab the cell phone or any computer. And then because of the raid, they'll get a warrant on that, collect information they already have so that they can integrate that into the report to justify the, the raid or the search that they just did. Um, they, they even have classes on this that they do with local police departments where they say, if we give you this information, you can't use it. But once you do what we tell you to, you can then backtrack and then add that information back in because now you legally have accessed it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's complete bullshit. It's been going on for years. 
um, there was a, a couple cases of drug dealers who uh, ended up being released because um, they were able to find out through going going the trial because you know usually they like to have these plea bargains. Well, then you go to trial, then you are able to access the information that the police had on you in order to um, have your um, build your case, your defense. And then all of a sudden it's revealed, like, you got this information illegally. Like, you had no business being in my house. And, next, you know, all the charges are dropped and they're they're found not guilty. And um, so this stuff has been coming out. Um, they don't like the fact that it's being revealed or, or coming out. But, yeah, this has been going on for a long time now. And uh, it's only getting worse. And it's why we have so many FBI whistleblowers coming out now. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is kind of crazy. Uh, uh, you look at Duncan, and when you kill someone, you don't, you don't, you don't have that uh, that hazard of it going to trial and things coming out. Now, when you have something like uh, the Michigan thing, uh, the Michigan kidnapping <laughs> thing, uh, and those guys actually said, "Fuck you, we're not taking plea deals." I think two of them took plea deals, but there were a bunch of them, and most of them didn't. And surprisingly, a few of them actually got off. And a, a lot of people, you know, if you're standard normie, would probably be like. Oh, well, only two of them got off and the rest got, uh, got convicted guilty of this and that. We'll see that as a uh, proof that they did it. But, you know, if anything, it's actually the opposite. The fact that two of them were got off, I actually think that more heavily implies it was complete bullshit because of the fact that, like, if you look at the conviction rates of these things, it's super high. But the fact they actually took it and didn't take the plea deal like most people do, it's more stuff got to come out and more, more stuff got revealed in discovery that you know makes it look like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Which likely would have been the case with Duncan as well. I believe we did touch on this aspect a little bit in the last episode, the, uh, the, the fact that they will, the feds will do this and then you have to like backtrack and get your stuff later. So all you got to do is have that one original thing that's semi-decent, decent enough to get the war warrant, and then you can just find it later. I believe you also said in your book, too, that they did a, like an electronic sweep of some sort where they were like looking for electronics all through the house, uh, you know, which maybe I'm wrong. I could have swore I remember it says, you said something like that in the book. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, mm. I think maybe I'm wrong. I might have read that wrong. Uh, but I was going to – all right. I think I might be wrong judging by the face. <laughs> I can they, skim through the they, book, they but... did search through the house. Like, well, one thing I pointed out was uh, before e EMTs were even allowed in the house, the the police were searching the house for all the evidence that they were trying to collect uh, before they even allowed anybody to try to help Duncan. Uh, they were more concerned about securing all the evidence that they were looking for. Uh, They're more concerned about that than they were helping the person that they had just shot. So. Um, I felt like that kind of showed the importance of what it is that they were going after. Like, I don't even think necessarily looking back on it, that it was Duncan that they were really after. I think it was the information that he might've had, especially mm -hmm. with the groups that he was working with. Cause he built websites for the Virginia Knights, the Boogaloo boys. Um, what was it? The state of Appalachia. Um, that was another militia group that he had worked with. And those are the ones I was able to find. I don't know what other uh, websites he worked on. All the ones that he, he built are gone now. Uh, they don't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was more like the contacts that he had and the stuff that he was working on. I think they were more interested in the computer than they were with, about him. Um, yeah. 
It just but, makes it convenient when he dies that they don't have to deal with all the other uh, other uh, stuff that might get in their way with that. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I do want to emphasize, too, because this does sound like we're being a little bit kooky and being like, oh, he, he, he may have gotten murdered or, you know, or they botched a raid all for all in the uh, hopes of uh, stringing this guy up, uh, it, you know, f- for this. Like, it kind of sounds like kook shit. But if you understand, you know, we brought up Ulbricht already. Uh, you like you look at Assange. Uh, I think you mentioned as well. I I had never heard of this Aaron Swartz guy, but I believe what is he, the Reddit guy? Yeah. Uh, you know they yeah. they basically the feds have tried basically drove Aaron Swartz to you know essentially you know kill himself with the position they put him in. Assange. They've been trying to get him to do that for forever. Basically, they've admitted to it. Albrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just you know locked him up and threw away the key. And you know Duncan. I you know obviously. Uh, I mean, it's really not that uncommon once you start digging into this like parapolitics type, you know, conspiracy type stuff. Uh, and I, I'm not say conspiracy disparagingly because a lot of this stuff is just confirmed stuff, is straight up confirmed. But there are so many cases of where feds will, the feds will use methods to essentially ruin someone uh, and essentially drive them to, you know, uh, you know, like what was it MLK? I think the feds were like, uh, you know, sending his wife recordings of it and cheating on her, and they were like sending, <laughs> they were like messaging him frequently, tell him to go kill himself and stuff. Yep. So like. Yeah, this this isn't anything new whatsoever. But uh, Duncan, that wasn't going to work. Duncan was like about to be a dad. Uh, he had a he had a girlfriend that he really liked. They were looking at homes, like they were about to start life. They were, you know, what like their mid to early twenties. Like well, they, they, and, things were going well, you know. And they were looking at buying a house in a different state where mm-hmm. the law that they use for the warrant wouldn't apply. So, uh, who knows what the timeline was on that? But if if they knew that they were looking for a house and looking for it in another state uh, out of their jurisdiction, that, uh, you know, there, that could have been the other reason why there was such haste on, on doing such a raid. Cause otherwise what other excuse would they have? Yeah. All right. Let's get to the, the main thing. I want to know what you think after digging through all this information, what do you think really happened in the raid? Because there's multiple different, uh, versions of this uh, of the of the take. Uh, so I wanted to kind of quickly just get what you think happened, and uh, yeah. So what I was able to piece together from the interviews and the reports, uh, I pretty much discredited the first two uh, news releases that the police put out. Um, they contradicted that each other. Um, the third, uh, report, the final one that came out, uh, which also had, uh, Casey Robinson's, uh, alleged testimony at the grand jury, um, and her interview on your show, uh, I was able to kind of piece those together. There was, I, I believe purposely left out information uh, from the police side, even though they, they contradict themselves um, in a few different sections of that report. Um, Casey's really doesn't change all that much. Uh, I believe hers is a little more, even with the, the state of confusion that she was in um, the, the, the fact that there was two flashbang grenades that were found in the bedroom. Um, there was the broken window. Um, Duncan was shot. Uh, there was uh, 
the fact that Duncan's body was found against the French doors going into uh, leading into the house. So what I believe is the SWAT team, for whatever reason, and it still doesn't make any sense to me other than it was a hit, uh, split up their team into, into two. You have your main team going through the front door, and then you had a secondary team of two guys going outside Duncan's bedroom window. Uh, the reason they used the window is because the creepy guy who showed up the evening before was an informant <clears throat> who was sent in in order to get a layout, find out if there's any type of booby traps where people slept, uh, house activity, where the weapons were, all that kind of information. It's common tactic that SWAT teams use uh, before they do a raid. And the closer that they can get somebody in... Uh, to the time that they're going to do the raid, the better because the information is more accurate and it's less likely to change. So they know that there's a booby trap on the door, which otherwise, <clears throat> because Duncan was the, the subject of the warrant, they would have just gone in through that door and secured him, secured everything else that they wanted, and uh, he'd still be alive today. Um, then, let's see here. So... At the same time, the main team and the secondary team, they bash in the door, the front door of the house with a battering ram, and they smash the windows to the bedroom. They throw in flashbang grenades. Flashbang grenades serve the purpose of causing a state of panic and confusion. Uh, so family has no idea what's going on. Everything is chaos. What is all this noise? Uh, at that time, Casey goes on to Duncan's side of the bed, uh, is trying to hide under the bed. Uh, all she hears is glass, explosions. Uh, there's people, can't figure out what they're saying because a side effect of a flashbang is that it causes temporary deafness. If you see it, when it goes off, it causes temporary blindness, a state of panic, and a state of confusion. Uh, fight or flight is what it does. Meanwhile, Duncan gets up, has no idea what the heck is going on, uh, can't respond to the police commands because he's deaf. All he's hearing is a ringing in his ears like he's just been to a rock concert for the last three hours. So all he's hearing is muffled sounds, uh, a ringing tone. He doesn't respond the way that the cops want him to. He ends up being shot. Uh, after he's shot, he falls against the French doors the police who went in through the front door, go through the house, through the kitchen, go to the French doors. They can't get it open. They assume that he's blocking the doors. They're able to get the door open enough to throw in a flashbang grenade, uh, which again is not part of procedure because the other two officers at the window are supposed to access the room through the window. Allegedly. How you would do that, I don't know. Um but they did. Uh, they, they threw in the second flashbang grenade. Afterwards, they access the room. They find Duncan bleeding on the, the floor. Um, they secure Casey on the floor uh, in broken glass. Uh, they handcuff her. Um, and this is after she tells them that she's pregnant. Um, they disconnect the flashback, uh, the, the booby trap on the bedroom door that accesses uh, the outside of the house. And uh, they go around securing the rest of the house while Duncan is still 
um, bleeding on the floor and they collect all the, here's the, the other, the other thing, they collect all the evidence that they wanted before they even turn on the body cams because everything is placed exactly where they wanted it to be. Uh, when the officer went through and made three videos recording what the, the house looked like. Um, but I believe uh, from what I saw in the videos and all the, the interviews that that's like the, the summary of what happened that night. Um, but the thing with the police report is they completely leave out the fact that a flashbang grenade causes deafness. And their main excuse for shooting Duncan is he refused to follow commands of an officer. And the, the other thing is when you use weapons like this, and it is a weapon, a flashbang is a weapon. They, they tried to make this argument after Waco that a flashbang was like a harmless thing. Um, but they know what it is. They know what it's capable of doing. Um, if you were to pull the pin and just hold it in your hand, you're not going to have a good day. Mm -hmm. um, they know what the side effects are. And as somebody who went to school for law enforcement for a uh, short period of time, you're required to experience these things before you use them. So you know what the side effects are. Like you can't use pepper spray. You're not allowed to carry pepper spray for most law enforcement departments unless you have it used on yourself because you're less likely to use it on somebody else because you know what that experience is like. Um, so yeah, the, you're required to be tasered before you can carry a taser. So you know what it's like to be tased. It's not a funny toy. Um, so they know what being affected by a flashbang is like, and they purposely left out that side effect from the report. Yeah. A lot of people may not see it like this. They, they don't, I genuinely see flashbangs as essentially shooting first in a way. You essentially assaulted an individual unprovoked. Um, they, they, I'm, I know there's a famous uh, example a lot of people point to, which I can't remember if they killed the kid or if it was like severely, uh, you know, fucked up for life. But I, I, I believe that actually killed it. There was an example of a time where the cops, for some reason, threw in a flashbang and it landed mm -hmm. in a crib. And I think it killed the baby, I believe. So they're basically little mini grenades. Like, so, I mean, it, had they thrown it and say, you know, they didn't throw it exactly they wanted to and it landed right in the bed with, with him and Casey, it could have, you know, caused serious harm. And really, uh, I mean, I know it's a little bit arbitrary, but the, the deafness and the, the blindness, I think that can kind of qualify as assault to me. Uh, you know, like you probably could cause some, some sort of, you know, lasting hearing damage from that. So to me, that's, that's essentially no different than shooting first. So that's basically murder at that point, in my opinion. You you cause the the situation, um, and it cause it to escalate where it's at. Um, let's uh, wrap up. I'm gonna bring up. Uh, I, I just want to kind of cover quickly. Uh, I'll just do it myself. And if you have anything to add, you can. Just the aftermath of where we're at with after this. You have Casey. Uh, after the fact, she had what like something like a year. She didn't have her computer. I believe they took her car. So she basically was, you know, it completely affected her income for a long time. Obviously, she didn't have that second income of her of her boyfriend, who was supposed to be the father of her, uh, you know, who's like the was the father of her child, and obviously was helping out. You know, you have Brian that now doesn't have the Brian, uh, you know, Lemp, the son, who doesn't have a father anymore. You have uh, the uh, investigation still ongoing 
uh, or not the maybe not the investigation. I mean the lawsuit. It's, mm-hmm. It will probably drag on for years. And the family was intimidated out of protest, which I believe we've covered all this before. So I'm kind of going through it. I just want to reemphasize the effects of something this has and the injustice that occurs. Uh, and then, you know, I think the the one gleaming, I guess, maybe, you know, good side of this somewhat, uh, if you could call it that, is it kind of made Duncan a martyr. And, you know, I, and they they they've, you know, admitted that with their like using him as a symbol of DVEs, as they say, uh, you know, and I, I think that's one of the few good things about this. I mean, obviously, I wish this never had happened, but it, if we're going to glean anything good out of it is now we have this example to point to of Duncan and, you know, what they're willing to do and all the, the, the fuckery involved. Um, so, I mean, I really think everyone out there should. You know, uh, whether it's sharing this or buying the book or what have you, I think we should, you know, make a point to continue this story. Because I do think the Lemp story is one of those, like, it's 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 a modern event that happened. It's a very easy thing to point to of, uh, like, of the overreach of government, if you will, in, in multiple different ways. Uh, so I, I commend you for writing a book. I believe, like you, we've said before, this is the first book of its kind. I do think it's it's written in a way that it's, it's good for people who, we're semi-familiar with it, want to really dig deeper or someone who's never heard of it before. It's, it's not like a, it's not a super long book. It's also not like super short. So it, it, I feel like it was just the right length to where it like covers the stuff you need to know. And it also delves into the different aspects, the topics, uh, you know, uh, which I mean, maybe some people might think that's meandering, but I do think it's important to point out the, the history of the militia movement and stuff like that. Like we have here in this, so, uh, yeah, I, I really hope uh, everyone got something that watches, got some of it, you know, maybe share it around to uh, someone who's interested in this. Or if you want a shorter one, like like I said earlier, uh, Matthew was on with uh, Keith Knight, a libertarian institute uh, on their show. Uh, so maybe if you just want to give someone a quick little like to get their to pique their interest, I highly suggest that I do see uh, JC, you sent me five dollar super sticker. Appreciate it, bud. Um, yeah. Do you have any other, uh, you know, uh, parting words before we, we do plugs and get out of here? Uh, my, my key piece of advice that I came up with on, uh, uh, Keith's podcast was, uh, be very careful about what you post on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, and you know, I like to be a free speech absolutist. I think, you know, whether you're talking crap or cracking a joke, um, I think you have that right. Uh, I think the the First Amendment is uh, pretty darn important, important enough to where they also added the second one right afterwards to kind of protect it. Uh, but in this day and age, when we've got these these alphabet agencies that are just bored out of their mind, they can't find any bad guys anywhere else. They're now looking at home and um, you say the wrong thing at the, the wrong place. Um, and it's just, it's insane. The, the amount of laws that, that have been passed and um, the, the, the fact that we no longer have um, our, uh, we don't, we don't have due process anymore. Like we still have January 6th people who are in solitary confinement and they still haven't been charged. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that they're now gravitating into. Like all the Abu Gray stuff that we saw with Iraq is now happening here. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is the, the type of thing that everybody should be concerned about. Uh, this is, 
when when I'm seeing these news articles where it's like Congress is going after what was it Ticketmaster? I'm like, that's your concern, Ticketmaster. Like you're really pissed off about how much those Taylor Swift tickets cost, right? Uh, no, that that should like what we're we're what we're experiencing since 2020, 2021. That should be the number one concern everywhere right now. Like people are pissed off about Elon Musk, and now now you can say the N word on Twitter. Um, you say the wrong thing on Twitter, and you've got a file opened on you, and that thing's not going to close until they find something to send <laughs> send a, uh, an officer to your house with a warrant and uh, snag your ass. Um, that's that's kind of where we're at these days. So, um, unfortunately, uh, I think, I think Duncan was really smart, like in, in insanely smart, but he was also 21, uh, posted something that he shouldn't have posted. Um, probably was safe up until that point, but, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, be very careful about what you post online these days. Like I, I like to be a smart ass on Twitter and half the time I'm like double, you know, questioning myself. Like, do I, do I really want to have this snarky remark out there? Cause <laughs> it might bite me in the ass later. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, you brought the January 6th thing. I don't know if you heard about this, but recently uh, they admitted, I think they said there was at least eight informants, I believe specifically in the Proud Boys at January 6th. So they've admitted to that. We already knew it because, you know, there were a whole, a whole uh, God, what's his name? Uh, Ray Epps or Mike Epps. I know one of them's the actor. One of them's the, the guy. Uh, I always mix up the two. Uh, but uh, yeah, I know everyone was pointed that, and then they've straight up admitted to it. So the it's, it's, it's their backtrack. I think I might try to do an episode. I have someone I might want to talk to about that. My strike just uh, expired on this channel, so now I can start <laughs> talking about uh, a little bit more contentious stuff like January six. So uh, Ray Apps, yeah, JC just corrected me in the chat. But uh, yeah, uh, they they it's funny how the uh, how the backtracking works, and now the now it's just oh. Uh, oh, oh, they, uh, that instead of, oh, there were no informants or there's no, we're not, we're not going to tell you about informants. Oh no, there were informants, but, uh, you know, uh, there's been no evidence that suggests they did anything to, you know, aggravate the situation. And if any, if anything, their focus now is, oh, well, why didn't they, uh, why didn't they pass on this information to their handlers about this happening? You know, like, and now that's the, uh, the movement. So the, the backtracking works. And by the time, you know, we find out everything, it'll be, you know, probably 10 years from now and, you know, it'll moved on, you know? So that's how these things work. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, you know, uh, JC uh, says, thank you for the series. Great work from the both of you. I appreciate it. Uh, you want to go and drop your plugs, Matthew? Uh, you know, Maybe bring up your book again, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, uh, the book is A Crash in the Night, The Assassination of Duncan Lump. Uh, you can find it ebook format and physical hard copy uh, on Amazon. Uh, I also have the collapseexperiment.com, uh, the Collapse Experiment podcast, um, I am currently on Twitter, <laughs> um, as, uh, I'm trying to remember my handle name. I think yeah, it's I the collapse experiment. I don't know what your ad is though. Something like that. Yeah. I think there's like a one at the end or something. Um, and you can find me at Instagram, Matthew.Gilman, uh, 
over there as well. And uh, that's about it. Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate your time. I, I'll probably have you on again for to cover some other stuff. I know you wrote a book on the Michael Hastings one, so I think maybe one of these days I'll cover that. Uh, but yeah, this is a No Way Jose podcast. You can find me on YouTube, uh, all the major auto podcasters, Odyssey as well. Follow me on Twitter at Senor Jose 2020 until I get my old accounts back. Uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook at Jose Galison, you can do that as well. If you want to support me, patreon.com, No Way Jose 2020. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And with that, we are out. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me.